Welcome everyone to Authors on the Air. My name is Pam Stack. I'm your host today. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I hope all of you are doing well. You are safe if you are in cold weather. Um, if you're in warm weather like me, I'm sending you a big hug. Um, Please check in with me if we're friends, even if we're not, go to Authors on the Air and tell me you're okay. My guest today is Reagan Pasternak. For those of you who watch HBO, you have seen her there. She's a fantastic actress, but also I think you started off as a singer, didn't you, Reagan? I did. Wow. I, I didn't know anybody really knew that, but yeah, I did. I started off as a, as a singer. I went to musical theater school and um, but just so fell in love with the other just more of the drama, you know, world. So, but yeah, that is how I started for sure. Now, is it my understanding you did something for Disney? Disney, oh my goodness, that's a long time ago. I'm old now, but um, the <laughs> that was my very first series was was out of college was a was a series called In a Heartbeat. If anybody remembers that from uh from Disney a million years ago. Um, but yeah, I got to play a cheerleader slash paramedic. So. Yeah, well, I was looking forward thinking a paramedic along with a cheerleader. Thank, thank goodness they were, they were. You know, it was an empowering role then, right? It was. It actually was such a sweet, amazing start to my career because, uh, I, you know, whether it's Disney or HBO, whatever you're doing, it's you are there twenty. You know, I was working seventeen hours a day at at, sure. at uh, twenty three years old, playing seventeen years old, of course, and um, and it was intense, and and it wow. was. It was a great experience, actually. Was it a dream come true for you? Um, yeah, actually, it was. I mean, there's as an actor, there's nothing better than being on a series because you get to you get to have a family and you know on set, you just become so close in a different way than you do when you're you know doing a movie here and there and or guesting on shows. So yeah, it was actually. It really was, and it was. It put me right in the thick of things. I had to learn how to how to be in the fire pretty quick when you're a lead in a series, one of your first jobs out of school, it was pretty, it was intense. <laughs> Tell me about you as a young Reagan, what were your dreams and your hopes and your aspirations? Was this something you always knew you wanted to do? So I really, yeah, I, I, I was, you know, I, I, I love the, you know, people don't like labels, but I love the label introvert because it actually felt very freeing to me when I figured out, Oh, I'm an introvert. Oh, that's a thing. Other people are like this too. And so I, I had, you know, trouble just, you know, being in school and being around tons of people all the time. And when I figured out, I loved music. Um, that was, that was how it all kind of started when I figured out how much I loved uh, singing and my parents put me in singing lessons and all that. I, um, and then I went to a school for the arts and all that. I, it really, really gave me an outlet for, you know, my real self and, and, um, yeah. And I, I really never looked back once I, once I found that calling, I mean, I, my parents made me get good grades and all that stuff. They were sure. pretty strict about that, but, um, I really knew that it didn't matter what my grades would be because that's not what I was going to be doing anyway. So, yeah. And you're the youngest of four kids. My God, you do good research. <laughs> I, I am. I've got uh, two older sisters and an, an older brother. Yeah. Full now, house. are they creative also? Or are you are or are you the creative in the family? You know, it's funny. They're all they're all amazingly creative people, but they none of them um, went into the into those fields uh, into you know performing the arts arts well, and right. yeah, and, and now writing and all that. But um, but they're all they're all amazingly creative 
people. Oh, that's wonderful. Who yeah. do you think you got your creativity from? Mom, dad, or both? Or has it been passed down generations? Yeah. Oh, God. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm sorry, audience. It's one of those emotional days for me. And Oh, so if I if I'm crying, I'm just I'm just a mess today. I'm sorry. I just accept me. Um, my mom, who passed away last year, oh, was was really creative. She was an artist. She was a visual artist. She was a. Um, <laughs> see, I, I still can't. Take a breath. Breath and we'll move on. What happened? You got your creativity from mom. I got did, it. Did you love? Did you get your love of animals from your mom too? I think from both my parents and actually, and then, you know, I also had a, a, a wonderful stepmom as well. And they all, we all, we had animals since oh. I can remember. I mean, just full house of animals. I, I think there was at one point five dogs in the house. So, yeah, so, you're yeah. talking to a cat lover. I lost one of my cats at the end oh. of this year. So when you're, when Jonathan got in touch with me, I said, that's it. I, I know I have to talk to her because so many of my friends are pet lovers the way you are and we're active in some role. I mean, I, I actually have a cat sitting business. That's how much I like cats. You know? I I yeah. So, um, but, but I know, and I'll, so it's a good thing and a bad thing this year. We're communicating more online. And so more of my friends and people I know have said they've lost pets, but I know shelters are empty too because the only silver lining in this mess of year has it been is. that as you know, perhaps that that's, that's the only thing that I can really think of that animals are getting homed. And as you know, if you, if you know, pet rescue, you know, it's a pretty brutal Absolutely. world out there and uh, oh, it's just amazing what's happened. I mean, I'm thrilled. Yeah. So am I there. I mean, there's wait lists now to get, to get new pets and oh, yeah. it's just yeah. amazing. Yeah, that's a it's a good thing. Mine are all rescues too. And and before I lived in a higher rise, I, you know, would feed all the Audis. Oh, and um, my, man my manager used to say, Would you stop doing that? And I say, Well, I really can't, you know. And when I moved the last I moved because of a hurricane, because I, I live in Southwest Florida. Okay. And so there's there were four Audis out there. We had I got them fixed, and then I just said, I can't leave them we'll have to find homes. And so I found homes for them because that's the right thing to do, you know? Right. And I, and I, but I, you know, you'd think that's just so obvious, but you know, so many people don't feel that way and, and yeah. or just don't want to take, put the time out. And yeah. I, I, I'm grateful that you did that. That's awesome. Thank you. So I want to talk a little bit about your film career. You, what? you've been on HBO now. Did you finish wrapping the series or are you in high? Oh, yeah. That was, yeah, that was uh, that one was a couple. That was uh, almost a couple of years ago, I think. That it, or, I mean, like a year and a half ago. And uh, about the two particular HBO shows that you were in. Oh, so that was. I think that one was at first. I that was. Um, I did a reoccurring on a show called Sharp Objects, and um, that was very dark. And I, I play a lot of those those girls you like to hate, and um, somehow I don't. I I don't. I don't, don't even want to know what it means at this point because it happens so often. But um, because you're like the fair hair, blonde hair, beautiful girl, no one expects you to be the mean girl, right? I guess so. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I think it's perspective, Pam. I think that's what it's really about. I think it's perspective, and yeah, you know, I watch people closely, and I think you can, uh, yeah, and and I'm always creating characters in my head. But I do play a lot of those those uh, you know, girls that are not necessarily. 
the kindest. And actually, I just I've just started a reoccurring on a brand new sitcom that's for BET called um, Miss Pat, based on uh, it's based on the the comedian Miss Pat's life. And it has been it was so much fun. And again, I'm playing the woman that you love to hate. And I don't know what it says about me, but it's very fun to play. I will say that. Well, congratulations. That's wonderful. Is it in public? Is it in like uh, you're doing all of your pre-shooting or is it actually available? I just, I, it's been in Atlanta. So I've been going back and forth a little bit and um, then it's just, this is the first season. So we'll see what happens for the next season. And yeah. crossing my fingers for you. Thanks. Yeah. So I want to talk about Griffin. Can you tell me a little bit about Griffin before we get to the ball? Yeah. So Griffin was my first animal as an adult. Cause you know, you know, I grew up with animals in my family's house, but it is different when you have your first as an adult, because it really is your sole responsibility. And he, um, just became such a part of my, my life. And he went through breakups with me and then, you know, and then I moved to Los Angeles, uh, with him and his sister. And, um, when I met my husband, uh, he was my boyfriend at the time and we, we moved together. So Griffin and Cleo came in the car with us. And, um, but he was just my soulmate animal. There's no other way. I mean, I love all my animals equally, but there's something about that cat that was just, he was just my baby. And he, you know, he was that kind of cat that was like a dog, you know, he would sit on my shoulder right. and he'd go on a leash and he would give me a right. and, um, just a wonderful nature, uh, natured animal. And, um, and then I found out he had heart disease, which now my dog has the exact same thing, which is oh. telling me. But um, but yeah, so so Griffin, I found out Griffin had heart disease. He got really sick, and um, we did everything we could. Took him to every holistic doctor, every you know real medical doctor, and um, nothing nothing made him better. And he and he ended up dying actually while I was away at a, at the Toronto Film Festival. Wow. So it's it left me this big hole in my heart. That yeah, no closure. Yeah. yeah, no closure exactly. And yeah. um, I'm I, I I've been really marked by that too. I'm so scared every time an animal goes to the vet because I have a full house of animals now. And um, but every time one goes to the vet, I literally call them on the phone. And I say, look, I have a I have issue that I'm scared that if I leave them there, they're not going to come back and I'm not going to say goodbye. And, you know, it's, it's in me now because it really, it really did number on me. And yeah, and Griffin, Griffin, um, was a big part of, of my life. And when he left, I felt like I had to get over it. And that feeling, um, branched out into a bunch of other, you know, insomnia and, and, and just anxiety yeah. and some sadness because, you know, not just grieving animals, but especially grieving animals. There is a culture of grief that I believe really needs to change where you are expected to just keep plowing forward and get over it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, it's just not how it works. You know, it's, it might seem how it might seem like it's how it works, but if you, if you don't um, tend to, pain, it, it just manifests as other things. And I, I, I believe it with all my heart. I've seen it with people who've lost humans. I've seen it. Yeah. I've just seen it over and over in my life. So I started researching a ton about it because of Griffin because, and, and, and um, just started learning about grief and, and how it's actually 
quite a beautiful thing. And yeah, it really changed the way I thought about grief after Griffin Because um, when, I, when I had to have my little baby girl euthanized, yeah. um, she was 16 and I had never had that happen. I've never had an animal that had to be euthanized. Mm. It was very traumatic for me to take her to the vet. I have a very compassionate, lovely vet, who by the way, will be a guest on this show soon oh, uh, because he's so nice and, and so caring. But um, but I, I came home to four living cats and you know, of course you, you go through your initial stages, just crying and crying, and crying, and you miss your pet so much. And then I, it felt so funny to be home The the space was wrong. The, the energy in the house was wrong. You know, it, I, it took me a long time to, to feel like I didn't have to be looking all the time for wherever Holly was. Do you, I know you understand what I'm yeah, saying. It's a phantom limb. That's what happened. Yeah, that's, really, that's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. So, so from your grief over Griffin and from observing when people have loss in their life, is that why you decided to write this book? You know, I ask, I get asked that now that I'm doing all these interviews all the time. And I thought about it today before I, before I came on with you. And I just thought, what is the reason? I, I mean, it, there were so many little aspects that ended up um, coming together of why I wrote it. And I think how it first started was the pain was there. And I, I was desperate. I was searching. I I was searching for books on on pet pet loss, and um um I genuinely felt like there was glass in my heart. And I remember I remember just thinking I was at my in laws' house in in New Mexico, and I remember still feeling like, wow, I still can't function. And it had been months, you know. I I, I still I just didn't feel normal and. Um, and I knew I was like, I, I, I just I just realized that I, I wanted to start writing little bits and pieces, writing a book about it. And so it would come out in little pieces. But I'm such a chronic reader. I mean, I I'm not a great sleeper. So, uh, you know, and especially now with Kindle, I'm just all I do is read, 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 read. <laughs> so, um, um, so then, you know, so it, it just all kept um piling up on each other so that the, the need the more people I met the more people I, I I would say yeah I'm starting to write a grief book about animals and they would say oh I, I want to read that I, I need that I'm feeling I'm feeling you know sad about my animal and you know and then I had to balance you know life and work and all these other things but I I kept coming back to it and then the more I would read and be influenced by beautiful writers like Brene Brown and people who've influenced me so much um I just started I just started realizing what I wanted the book to be. So it took, it took, it was a long time. I started writing it 10 years ago and then, you know, I stopped and started and stopped and started. And then two years ago, my husband just came out of the bedroom one morning. I was sitting outside reading in my living room and um, he said, you got to finish the book. It's so true to who you are. It's so part of you and you wow. got to finish it. And, and so I, I just sat down and I made myself have a minimum time that I had to write no matter what, whether I was filming or whatever was going on in my life, I made myself write for minimum two hours. Most of the time it went way beyond that. But, um, yeah. And then I just, and I just started realizing I don't want it to just be a book. I want it to be interactive. I want it to be, I knew that I wanted it to be beautifully, you know, crafted, which I don't know if you've, if you I have one here, of course. It's gorgeous. Um, it's it's a beautiful book. book. Yes. And it has a beautiful, and everything's really high quality and environmentally as friendly as I could do. Um, and um, we tried to make it a keepsake with thick paper and 
um, so that people felt like by the end, it wasn't just a book. It's, it's me and the reader together mourning their animal and creating a keepsake and uh, kind of a memorial for their animal and taking them through all the grief exercises that I started learning about and started loving myself. So, yeah. I love that. I have your book sitting um, next to the two wooden boxes of my cats that are gone. That makes me so, and I have a little, I have one shelf in my, I have a library in my second bedroom. It's all that. just covered, but one little shelf that is nothing about books about animals. So your book is there along with. Wait, we, we, we need to be friends. <laughs> we, I'm telling you. We need to be friends. This no, is like seriously. my dream life right there. I, under, I understand it so much. You know, I, I understand exactly what you're talking about. Um, you're also very involved in pet rescue organizations and pet advocacy groups. Isn't that true? Yes. I mean, I have a human son now and it, so it's, it slowed that down quite a bit, but um, I used to be very involved and would volunteer and foster and do all that stuff as much as I could. And then after I had my son, it's as anybody who has a child knows, it's pretty all encompassing, but I would still foster. I would still, uh, you know, and every time I foster now, I fail at it. They, they call it the foster fail and I'm the queen of foster the failure. Who takes them in yourself, yeah. right? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, there's been a few that I've rehomed. I'm not gonna pretend that didn't happen, but um, yeah, I have, uh, so I have done that. And I'm actually now my son has become such a, he's eight years old, but he is, he's um, a huge animal lover too now. And he's just like, you know, just like me in that way. So I think that we're getting ready. I told him kitten season is, um, is, is going to be happening soon, unfortunately. No, but, but the beautiful part of it is that um, I want him to experience, you know, feeding, a, feeding the little baby kittens. Uh, and learning and to care for something, learning that, you know, mm -hmm. that emotional connection to the animal kingdom is very, very important. And yeah. I think that it's the, for their own well-being to have something that they're responsible to care for, to keep alive, to make healthy and so on. Oh, yes. And he, and he definitely has that because he's an only child and we have got a house full of animals. He genuinely thinks of his animals as as his siblings. And uh -huh. they are, especially one of the dogs and him are so inseparable. It's just it's the most beautiful thing ever. And he's he's just like, you know, he's it's such a tiny little human family compared to the animal family in my house yeah. he's so he's uh he's definitely he gets it he gets animals and he loves animals more than people just like his parents so um yeah. pet people animal people say that all the time they say i love animals more than most people and i most people, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, my mom, it's funny, was not really a big animal lover. My father was. And then um, after my dad got sick, he had a stroke and lost almost all his vision. And they had to retire. He was in a pretty high powered job. So I happened to be in this, when I lived in Miami, I happened to be at this shopping mall, a huge shopping mall. And there was this little ball of fur, a golden ball of fur falling oh under cars. And I scooped it up. I was going to see my folks the next day. I lived in North Central Florida. And I thought, you know, I'm going to take this little baby up there and give it to my dad. And because Harry was almost completely blind and, you know, was disabled from work. It was a dog. It was a, dog. It was a little blonde ball of fluff. Oh, my God. Yeah, a little puppy, tiny little thing. So the, the puppy grew up to get up in the morning, put his paws on my dad's shoulder and give him a lick. You know, okay. she was 
they they were best friends. It was it just get kind of gave him a new reason for living. You know, he'd get up in the morning and he'd say, "Good morning, sweetheart." My mom would say, "Hi, honey," and he'd say, "No, no, no. I'm I'm talking about the dog." (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. Yeah. So I think they bring so much joy. You know, it seems to me that that's another part of your creativity coming out. You were a singer, you're an actor, you're now a writer, a published writer. What's next on your creative endeavors, Reagan? You know what? Griffin's Heart, my book, is everything to me right now. It really is. I I love acting. I, I, I enjoy it so much, but I really feel like I'm, my heart is so pulled to animals and, um, just the feedback that I've gotten the reviews so far, cause it just came out, but I, you know, I sent out obviously advanced copies and um, it's just really made me realize there is, there's a need for, for healing in this complete brand, in this specific grand of brand of grief. Yes. And um, it's kind of really what I, all I want to focus on now, you know, and, and you. that's really what I want to do. I, I can't even see outside this right now. This, this was a big, big chunk of my life of working on this book and, and um, and I want to see where it takes me because I'm so open to whatever happens. I, I really I want to create a community. I really do. I, I want to be a community for people, and then I want to facilitate a bigger community for um, for people who who are mourning their animals. I love that. And you know, it may just be you know the next layer, the next portion of your life. You never know how things are going to turn out, right? No. It's really interesting. Um, so one of our one of our viewers, her name is Laurie. She says, "Thank you for writing this book. So needed." So um, thank you, Laurie. And it is true. It, I, you know, I read four hundred books a year. Oh my god! I don't get a lot of books that come across my desk about about what happens when you lose a pet. And it seems like every day I'm sending messages on Facebook. I'm so sorry. Or sending, you know, gifts or whatever it is. It happens to all of us. And and it's true that we do need to understand that that's a natural part of our life. Reagan, tell everyone where we can find you on social media and where we can get Griffin's heart. Um, Griffin's heart is now available on Amazon. Um, and a part of our proceeds will always be donated to various animal charities. And I'm so proud of that and excited for that. And um, I am at Reagan J. Pasternak um, on Instagram. And um, after you've read the book, you'll see that I encourage readers to, if they want to share their tributes and their stories um, to at Griffin's Heart on Instagram. And um, it's gonna be a little cyber memorial for for people who've lost their pets and just want to have some sort of closure and when want to have some sort of, uh, they just don't want it to just end and just be like, well, they're gone. And I, I want to be, have people know that there's a lot of people feeling the same way and um, rolling it together. And you have a, you have um, a website for Griffin's heart, don't you? Which is www.griffinsheart.com. Correct. Yeah, we're on it. Yeah. <laughs> we're on all that during this conversation. So actually is what I, so I appreciate that. We're trying to keep you there. Reagan, thank you so much. I have enjoyed talking to you. It's, it's a tough subject, but you have brought a lot of, um, I think, compassion and understanding. And for me, who, who is a pet lover the way you are and who recently lost a pet, it means a lot to me personally. Thank you so much. I wish you all the success with the book. And I hope your son 
delights in having more pets. And good luck with the new show. Uh -huh. Have fun on that. Okay. Thanks, Reagan. And thanks, listeners. We'll see you next time. Have fun. Bye-bye.